Hello and welcome to The Road Less Travelled, sharing quirky stories from inspiring people. Join your host, Charlie Hyde, as she talks to a range of wonderful guests who aren't afraid to be a little bit different. Tara, it's great to see you again. It's been a while since we've connected, so I am super excited for this podcast because I am so excited to hear all about the stuff you've got going on. But before I get too keen, uh, it would be great if you could just tell the listeners and viewers a little bit about who you are. Yes, Charlie, it's so lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. So, yes, hi, everyone. I am Cara DeLunga. I run a well-being mental health consultancy called Softer Success. Um, I'm also the author of the same name book. Um, and we really focus on helping um, with evidence and science-backed solutions for burnout for organizations and for individuals. Brilliant. And I think it would be good to talk a little bit about your, your journey to starting your own company, mm. because you come from an interesting background, which you are an ex-Googler. Is Googler, Googler is the right word, isn't it? That's the right word. Yes. <laughs> would you be happy to tell yeah. the, the listeners a little bit about your, your time at Google, what you were doing there and ultimately why you decided to move on? Yeah, so I worked at Google for 11 years um, and before that in some other tech companies. And um, and I worked sort of in business operations, helping the C, you know, C-suite, um, uh, sort of the EMEA, EMEA team across Europe. Uh, fast paced, great company to work for. And I absolutely loved it. Um, and But at one point, I uh, had been pushing things too much and hadn't caught on to what was going on. And uh, I, I pushed my, I, I basically went into a burnout. So I experienced burnout. And um, I didn't see it coming. And I remember at the time, I sort of wished that I'd have like a solution or I'd been able to prevent this or I'd know, had known what the signs were to look out for, to be able to prevent this. And so I was sort of educated because it just hit me from one day to the next, boom. And it was uh, mental as well as physical, you know, both. So to give you a sort of a description is uh, really my mind and body kind of just had to stop. So I I couldn't, um, from the minutiae details to even struggling to turn on a tap, you know, uh, going, I don't have that energy to the fact that I had suffered from anxiety and insomnia and, you know, a lot of other back, neck and shoulder pain that were, I hadn't, you know, there were obviously warning signs coming on, but I hadn't seen them. Um, And it all came at the same time. And it, you know, it completely destabilized me and made me think like, what is going on? And why does this happen to us? As if this happened to me, it can happen to anybody. And I know it happened to you too, right, yeah. Charlotte? So, 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 what is that, and why does that happen? And that sort of, you know, led me to investigate the science around burnout, mm-hmm. and um, sort of brought us where we are now. It actually what led me to to write the book because I really felt I wanted to share some of the solutions that I had found that it helped me recover. And that's what led me to write the book and publish the book. And I also thought about the name very carefully, Softer Success, because I believe that by pushing ourselves to the ground, by organisations pushing their employees to the ground, 
just for success, just for what we believe is success, mm -hmm. which will ultimately can affect us physically and mentally, is just not worth it. So I thought, what about a softer success, a success where we're successful, but we're looking after our well-being first mm -hmm. and foremost, right? So how, are, how we stand in life and how our minds and bodies are working from that healthy aspect and then everything else flows, right? So we have a three-step strategy where we look at mind, body, and soul. And um, so that's sort of in a nutshell. <laughs> so I know you weren't going to ask that question, but I kind of jumped into it. But, um, but yeah, so, and that softer success, I wrote the book, I started the business, and what we're really doing now and what we've just launched is um, a, uh, a su super short, 90-second, scientifically-backed psychometric test that quickly establishes whether somebody as, is at risk of burnout or not, or actually we show low risk, medium risk, and high risk. So therefore, going back to what I went through at the time, I was just thinking, what could have helped me? Like, what could my business have done, but also what could my what could I have done myself? And um, having this little app or this little thing in my phone that just within 90 seconds go, do, 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 oh, you're at medium risk, you're at high risk. This is what you now need to do mm. to prevent it would really have helped me. And that's what we've created. <laughs> and, I, and I love that, that you've taken an experience which ostensibly is very unpleasant. And having experienced burnout myself, I can vouch for it being a horrible, horrible experience. But you've brought something really good out of it. And you've, you've reframed what success means and coaching others to do the same because like you say we think of success as it's being at the top of a big company and it's being filthy rich and it's all of these other things but actually there's a, a whole load that sits behind that which actually if you took that away you need your health you need your well-being mm. you need your mm. sense of purpose and if you don't have any of those things actually all the rest of the other stuff you might get is kind of meaningless that sits on on top of that yeah. so Thinking back a little bit towards the book, what came first, the, the book or the business, or did they kind of come at the same time? Uh, I'd started writing the book even while I was still at Google because I wanted to start, I'd started helping my colleagues, and, or not just my colleagues, but other people around us. And, you know, and Google is a great company. It does have a lot of, of resources and things there for people, but um, we also have to know and want to use them <laughs> uh, and that's where I think there's the mismatch sometimes there are companies that have things for individuals or for teams but um, they don't always pick up on them use them or may not use. So, so that's sort of a bit of a, a match made there but um, the book came first um, and then came the business um, and the business started with me just really uh, I'd completely you know reschooled and trained and you know and sort of as a coach and as a train you know um running presentations to really help people understand what burnout was and how we could prevent it and that's now gone into this sort of um well-being assessment that we created which is a psychometric test and I just have this eye on you know we've all changed so much and we've all gone through so much over the last couple of years with the pandemic and now you know with war in Ukraine and watching and seeing other people suffering and I think that we as humans we've evolved but the problem is a lot of us are not 
are still resisting change and we're not accepting change. Mm -hmm. And businesses are not accepting change. Yes, to hybrid working, yes, you know, there is some flexibility on hours and days and office and whatever, but the structures and the way of working is still the same. Mm -hmm. And a lot of these structures are set up to push people to the max and burn them out. And think about, so the universities at the moment, University of California Irving and Westminster, University of Westminster, we're only just beginning to find out the effects of this pandemic, but there are already some data out there that is showing that the effects of lockdown and the anxiety that we felt around the pandemic is causing more fatigue, mm -hmm. is causing some memory loss for people. Add on uh, loads of people leaving their jobs, right? Yeah. The great resignation, add that on. There are the people that are still in the companies who haven't left that are trying to pick up the work for the ones that haven't left. The other ones are starting in new jobs. So there's an extra pressure there and the systems are still the same. And we're still feeling that fatigue. And so this is a recipe for burnout as it's building up. And that's what we are trying to say is like, let's work at trying to prevent this. You know, that my personal passion is let's start a cultural revolution in the workplace mm -hmm you know, that is laying the stepping stones for our next generation to show them to do things differently, right? Because if we're not able to take the stress away and remove this burnout or re reduce the risks of burnout everywhere, we're also not going to focus on the other big important thing that we as humans across the world need to do at the moment, is look after our environment. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, do, do you see where I'm coming from? <laughs> Yeah, and I think yeah. there's an element where we've, as you say, we've changed. I, if you've come out of this whole pandemic experience and you are still the same person, then you must be a psychopath, right? <laughs> or, like, or, or not be a real human or just a robot, right? Because how could you live through an experience like this and not be changed by it in some mm. way? Mm. I think, it, like you say, it's done a lot of reframing of people's perspectives. I mean, certainly it has has for me what I used to define success as I kind of lost that that belief in that and it's it's reframed and just like you're saying right actually do I have a balance which enables me to live like I want to live do I have the flexibility to be where I want to be can I mm -hmm. make time for my physical health can I make time for my mental well-being can I make time to spread joy to the other people around me if those things aren't there, then it's not going to be a good fit. Whereas before the pandemic, it was all about, I want to be a CEO of the top <laughs> company. And maybe that still exists for some people. But like you say, if we all change, but the structures in which or the frameworks in which we're trying to operate and against which we're being measured don't change, then that's that fundamental dissonance, which mm. is not is not holding up. And then that's when people start to lose their um, perspective. And that's when that's when burnout comes and yeah. I guess I'd be interested to know your, your opinion on I think when we first were going through the pandemic there was a lot yeah. of kind of fatigue related burnout I, personally I'm seeing burnout coming back again but more kind of purpose related burnout from your yeah. research and your experience and you're working on software success is this something that you feel is is right or is there something else driving it because there's different types of burnout right Absolutely, no. And in our assessment, we measure six pillars and two of them are um, something called moral distress, which mm -hmm. we're currently researching with Sheffield University or moral injury, which is um, 
when somebody has witnessed or seen an act that goes against their own personal values and beliefs, right? And think at the moment for, for a lot of us, our own personal values and beliefs maybe have, are changing a bit. Mm -hmm. um, and the other side is the purpose, uh, values and mission. So burnout can occur if there's a mismatch between the individual and the employer, right? So on a purpose side and on a mission side, if the individual's not uh, aligned with a company purpose and mission, which is why I always say, you know, we've got to have also well-being part of purpose and mission, you know, but if there's no alignment there, that's going to end up either seeing the employee at risk of burnout or they're eventually going to leave because, and that's, that's why I guess we also see the great resignations. So there's a different kind of burnout emerging mm -hmm. and that's what we're trying to capture and measuring with our assessment so many people think that you know burnout is is just exhaustion um you know the world health organized state health organization states that we need to look out for you know reduced productivity um disengagement or cynicism towards our workplace and yet exhaustion yes and those three definitely are included but we've added some other ones that we've thoroughly researched into our assessment to fit with what we're going through at the moment right um and, and i think you're so right charlotte because we're all evaluating the way that we live and the way that we work mm -hmm. and uh having changed the way that people are working in terms of hybrid is great but i mean i live in london i think you as well i'm still yeah. seeing a lot of people scrambling and sort of going back to the same way mm -hmm. <laughs> that they were before. Uh, now, constant homeworking has also not been good for a lot of people and there's maybe increased hours. But what we want to get to is like this, this flow where there's enough time, uh, where you're allowing enough time for your physical health, you're allowing time for your mental health, you're allowing time to understand where your purpose and values are, right? Um, and if organizations are still running with the same procedures and ways of measuring uh, the success of the employees or the success of the business, uh, that there's going to be a misfit. And that's where we are right now. And, and how do you feel employers need to respond to this? Because it's a really tough challenge. I know you do some training in big companies and small companies, all types of companies to, to help employers manage this a bit better and also help employees kind of have their, have their own increasing uh, awareness. Um, how, how can we take, uh, what are the right next steps for us to, to take as, as employers to help our people? Because I think it's, we, we agree with it in principle, but there's a, there's a lot of challenges to then ac actioning that. Yeah. No, absolutely. Well, the first step is is like, you know, there needs to be a, our assessments like a diagnostic tool. So there yeah. needs to be um, a diagnosis, basically. Right. So you need to imagine you have an organization of 500 to 1000 employees or bigger and you get them to do this test It's 90 seconds. Then what we do is we not only does the individual get a, a results page, that shows whether they're at risk or not, but they're also given some resources to help them straight away. So that's number one, but then it's anonymous, but then the employer receives instead of an aggregated report from us. So we then go and say, you know, come back to them and say, look, um, worst case scenario, 
70% of your business are at high risk of burnout, right? So worst case scenario, and they go, oh no, but oh dear, what do we do? Then we say, right, well, we've analyzed that for you and we've looked at our six pillars and we suggest these interventions across these areas and we'll work with you on that. Or if we don't have the right people, we'll, you know, so yes, some could be training, some could be education, there could be a culture change needed. So we'd bring in some specialists that we work with us on that. And where you ideally want to get to is working across individual, working across team and working across organizational level to create that change, right? Mm -hmm. So the individuals are feeling supported so that the teams are feeling supported. There's a bit of, you know, benchmarking going on and that the organization. And so six months to nine months later, that business, you know, and we ask testers a subscription-based model. So we do suggest that people take it at least quarterly Mm because, you know, burnout can take a couple of months to kind of build up. And, um, you know, what is that then, say, six to nine months later, uh, they do it again and they've reduced the risk of burnout. Think about that. Yes, say, well, yeah. we were 70 percent high risk of burnout. We brought that down to 50 percent now. And this and this and this is what we've done. So think about that effect and what they can then do in terms of case studies to, you know, other of their our peers or other organizations that are in similar situations that can help them. So I see this sort of a spreading <laughs> um, and slowly we'll start creating some structural changes. Mm-hmm. Mm. But we have to have the exposure, first of all. <laughs> yeah, and I think um, sometimes I often see that people burn out without realizing they've burnt out. They're, and it sounds like we both yeah. kind of had that similar original experience where we're standing and going, why can't I turn the tap on? Or I, I was standing in the supermarket and um, uh, I cried because it didn't have any clotted cream. Then I went to another supermarket and I cried because they did have clotted cream. And I was <laughs> going, what is wrong with me? I had no <laughs> idea that, that, that burnout was the right term for it. It sounds like something kind of similar for you. You go, and I can't I have the energy to turn this tap on. What is wrong with me? But actually having that awareness, that this is what it is. This is how you, you these are some of the immediate steps you can take, actually. It's like anything like the first step is the is the awareness. The first step is the awareness, absolutely. And it's it's great that you know you've taken this this rubbish experience and turned it into something really positive, not only for you, but in like been able to then to, to spread those those learnings. And I think that's really what entrepreneurship is. And I suppose having seen you, you know, in, in Google and now you're running your own business, did you ever imagine yourself as an entrepreneur? I mean, could you ever imagine being where you are today? Um no, but funnily enough, if I go back into time and I asked my my husband that the other day and he was like, oh, I knew you were an entrepreneur when I met you. And I went, what do you mean? He said, were well, you always talking about this idea for that and this? Mm. Idea for that. And I said, no, I, or how to help people with this or what have you created that? And that would maybe help. So I have a, I have um, I do, you know, want to create change and I do really want to 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 help people and I I did exactly what you you know what you were saying is it was a horrible experience it was an experience that did affect also everybody the people around me and that was really hard but but from that I thought let's make something really positive that's going to create change and so that you know the next generation my kids and you know are not going to have that kind of thing they're going to be in a different kind of working world um and so that's where that that's come from. And, um, you know, we I know I never I never thought that. And funnily enough, I have a bit of a portfolio career because I I write children's stories, um, you know, so something that's completely different, but it's just a it's a passion. And 
you know, I think that's the way we're going a bit, aren't we, with uh, future of work. We are, you know, looking at, all, we're looking at all, doing things, everything differently, right? So what's our future of work? How do we want to do that differently for ourselves and within businesses? What can we do to make a difference for the environment? You know, where, where can we remove our stress? Can we get, you know, burnout risks to less so that we can start focusing on, the changes, the climatic, you know, the, the climatic effect and the changes that we need to make as individuals to help the environment, because we can, you know, um, little things, right? Um, I chose not to, to have a car, I've never owned a car. <laughs> and um, only if I really, really would have to, uh, that does mean I have longer journeys. Um, uh, or sometimes occasionally I will rent one, but it was, it was, a, it was a, it was a conscious choice. Yeah. Um, and I think you're seeing many more people doing things like that, but those kind of choices won't happen. Um, if we're still too stressed up and caught up in same old ways of working and procedures, because people are not able to have the breathing space mm -hmm. to consider what it is they want to to do to do to contribute to to change to how they want to live like you know um maybe they want to not live in the same place but they're kind of tied to a system you know and a structure so let's question all of that let's question the way we do everything we have a um, four-day work policy at, at software success we're still a very small team though <laughs> but um anybody that I will be hiring in the future, um, I will be hiring on a four day week uh, equal pay um, because I passionately believe that we can work, um, we can be uh, more effective, mm -hmm. uh, achieve more, but with less effort. Yep. And I think these hours, I don't know what you would think about that. You, What are your thoughts about it? <laughs> yeah. I, I cannot wait for the four day work week to become the norm. Uh, so I'm a big believer in Parkinson's law, uh, which is things take as long as the amount of time that you allot them. So if someone says, can you give this to me in a week? I will take a week to do it. But if someone says, I need this in an hour. Sure, I'll turn it around to you in an hour. Is the quality of the one I've done in an hour worse than the one I did in a week? No, not really. No. Mm. Actually, it focuses the mind. It enables you to kind of do more deep work because you feel the impetus to get it done. It's the same as if you, when you're going on holiday, it's okay, I've got a half day because I've got to catch the plane you still get the same, most of the same amount of work done. But we tend to do less of what I would call busy work, which is the stuff that it kind of adds value, but it's a bit bleh, and it's not the real value add work. So it tends mm. to be the stuff that we bin. Does the world collapse because we don't do it? No, it doesn't. And mm. so I think it makes us more efficient. It makes us leaner. It gives us some of our personal time back. But we also have to be good at putting in the boundaries to make sure that we actually Absolutely. follow through on doing that. Because I know, I mean, I, in my email signature, I've put, I'm, I'm responding at a time that's convenient for me. It doesn't mean I expect a response from you. But I, I think there's a lot of people that, that put that as well. But I think there's, there's a little bit of lip, lip service, right? Because if we are still sending emails later in the day, it does actually subconsciously normalize that behavior. So I've kind mm. of tried quite consciously to try not, not to do that. Um, yeah. I, I obviously I'm an Accenture so I, I can't mandate a full day working week with my team but what I can do and what I have done is introduced uh, no client meetings Wednesday yeah, so on really Wednesday is. we can 
we we try not to schedule any client meetings because and this is absolutely necessary because production's on fire and no one can buy any telephones right um mm. because if it's really urgent it can be done in monday tuesday if it's not that yeah. urgent it can wait till thursday friday but what it enables you to do is it enables you to clear the backlog from monday tuesday so that you almost start thursday like monday again where everything is now done and you, it kind of picks you up and also when you look at your calendar you're like oh I don't have any meetings you actually get a bit of a boost from that and you feel yes. good rather than being like oh it's Wednesday and it's full of meetings just like every other day because mm. initially when I did this people said well why don't you just do no meetings Friday afternoon I'm like for example yeah and that's fine but I mean who really has the energy when they look at their their to-do list at 3 p.m on a Friday afternoon and it's this long because yeah. it's been accumulating yeah. since Monday who really has the energy to actually do that Who's not just looking at, I mean, let's all be honest. Who's not looking at that list going, oh, look at Monday's problem. <laughs> but you know what will happen then is because then that list is too long. Nobody has the energy for it and they'll pass it on and say, I'll do it on Monday. And Sunday or evening or afternoon will suddenly go, oh my gosh, I've got that long list for tomorrow. My name back to back meetings. I better work a bit on Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, and we, you know, everybody sort of, uh, you know, I, I'm very sacred about keeping my weekend free and I don't work Fridays and you know there are you know sometimes the odd time that I do have to do things if I'm presenting the next day and I don't beat myself up around that if I do mm -hmm. but what the other thing that I am trying to implement I mean and I've heard a lot of people going oh on Mondays I find Mondays quite hard so, so how about starting your Monday with something that brings you joy right mm -hmm. Um, and so I plan to do that for whoever joins our team. For me, that's a walk, right? So I'll go for a walk on a Monday morning. If that means I start slightly later, I start later, right? And having mm. that flexibility for people to come in, uh, you know, and just that thing that brings them joy. And, yeah. uh, and so if you're able to start your week off with that, um, I noticed it and much more productive. And again, sustainably productive and that's where yeah. we want to get we want to be able to be productive um you know like over a longer period of time but the right kind of productivity and uh and that's we also do sort of courses that we do quite a bit on now training on sort of hybrid well-being and mm -hmm. sustainable productivity and we're starting to do some very interesting research with uh, imperial college london about um because a lot of our clients have come to us with they i'm also feeling anxious about the climate um so climate anxiety so the effects that has on our well-being and and how we can uh, um kind of help with that so we're doing courses on that too but yes i think that it's so important isn't it to make sure that we are productive in the right way and mm. you know yeah and allowing that time throughout the day to you know we started slightly later because I said I'm sorry but um I need to have my lunch and you know have my few minutes to stay outside and deep breaths because you can make a choice right you can either say or oh, scramble through lunch <laughs> and you know go to the next meeting or you actually do it in a way that's mm -hmm. mindful and calm even if you only have you know short amount of time so the, it's choices that we can make isn't it yeah, and I think that's a really important point around sustainable productivity, because I think um, I've just seen this bit of a wave where pandemic came, people threw themselves a lot into that, into their actual work, into their their, their day job, if you like. Yeah. Then they sort of had fatigue from that and put some boundaries in. 
And now people are yeah. sort of realizing as they reassess their purpose that maybe they want to do something else. So I think mm. I'm seeing the increase in the number of things of like side hustles. But one of the challenges that this produces is this idea of toxic productivity, which is that we always need to be producing something. And this, this like mm. the word produce in the word productivity is sometimes mm. I think problematic because that has connotations of a tangible thing that you need to have shown to demonstrate your time was worth it and you see the same thing in the corporate world right Absolutely. number of powerpoint decks you produce number of excel models you ran versus the depth that you thought at no you can't necessarily show a thing for that but it's valuable time you've obviously got a portfolio career how do you kind of balance all of these elements so that you are obviously producing incredibly successful business and books and your podcast how are you balancing this to be productive but not toxic productivity yeah so uh it's about tuning in and 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 listening to your energy right um and and working on the moments that the energy is is right and then those other moments that is not is simply saying stop Mm -hmm. and i surrender you know i've had to do that a couple of times going oh i really want to you know and and this is a great one to learn actually going i want to finish that book or i want to I've got a couple of podcasts I want to get in this week and I want to do that. And um, to give you an example, you know, uh, just even a few weeks ago with everything that was happening in Ukraine. And uh, I, I, I just said, no, I <laughs> stop. Uh, I'm just pausing on a few things for a moment um, because there are some major changes happening and I'm seeing a lot of people suffering and I, I, I feel very upset by all of this. And um, I want to just pause and reflect and see what, what it, that I really, and I meditate on that quite a lot. So we have a great little meditation that's only five minutes, um, you know, that people can do that really is, uh, it asks you just one simple question after getting you calm is what do I really need right now? Mm. Now, and that can be, I need just some, I just need to not push myself and to get this finished. I need to go out for a little walk. I need to go and have a glass of water. I need to exercise. I need to do more or less social activities. I, you know, so it's just, it's just really tuning in and going, I need to stretch my legs, you know, whatever it is at that moment. Um, And I think we as humans need to start to learn working and uh, listening to ourselves much more that way. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you go back into history before the Industrial Revolution, before sort of clock, you know, clock in, clock out came along, people work that way anyway. Mm. Right. Yeah. They were out working and, you know, got tired, couldn't concentrate anymore and sat down and had a break. (laughs) So, you know, so why don't we do it now? Yeah. Think about it. No, I'm tired. No, I'll let, oh gosh, no. Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to push ahead on, uh, and we don't follow our Altrian rhythms as well. I talk a lot Mm. about that in our courses. So, we have our circadian rhythm at night, which is our 90 minute uh, sleep cycle, a basic rest and activity cycle. But we have something similar throughout the day. So many people are not um, aware of it. And that's mm. a sort of 90 minute cycle that we go through. And that also depends on whether we're sort of an early morning person or an evening person. And uh, so what happens, we can work quite effectively, effectively for about 90 minutes. 
Uh, and after 90 minutes, we'll be like, oh, I know now I'm going to go grab a coffee or yeah. I need my Red Bull or I'm going to have a sugary snack or I'm going to power through on adrenaline <laughs> because I've got back to back meetings and I cannot take a moment to mm -hmm. have a break. Actually, back to back meetings is a terrible word because, you know, it just should say I have several meetings throughout the day. The psychology of it was already bad for the human psyche. Think about it. I have back to back meetings. This is already telling the person that they cannot break. They have to go on. Mm. So what if you say I have several meetings throughout the day and I'm allowing myself to take short 60 second breaks in between them or I'm allowing myself to go and mindfully grab a glass of water do you see what do you see the difference yeah yeah, yeah. um and it's that I think it's that kind of rushed mentality that we don't don't really realize and now obviously it's not always realistic to follow a kind of 90 minute cycle but what is important is to be aware of it and to be aware of when we work best mm -hmm. when we may not be that effective like your Friday afternoon when everybody's tired is that the right moment to finish off your to-do list <laughs> yeah it's so true I think lots of people never ask themselves a question or never listen to their body to say well, when do I work best what 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 helps me and so uh we've got this exercise which we've done sometimes in in work where we have a sheet and it's got four quadrants it says uh I you get the best out of me when you get the worst out of me when I need and I want. And I, I, I think maybe I've got the bottom two wrong, but it's, it's a bit like that. And whenever mm. I start with a new team, I now bring that sheet with me and I get everyone to do it. But it's interesting, the first time I ever did that exercise, it was really hard and it shouldn't be, right? You should be just writing no. on a piece of paper. But I was thinking, yeah. I have no idea. No idea. And actually I shocked myself with my own lack of self-awareness. So mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm trying to sort of, um tune in a bit a bit more and and encourage my teams to do the same because what is the point if us having a meeting if two out of three people don't work best at that time and they're just sitting there going when will this meeting end this is so boring and they're not taking anything in Absolutely. we are better not doing this meeting we are better rescheduling it at a time that works best for everyone but there's almost mm. this expectation that we will all just rock up and do our nine to five or nine to nine or whatever it is we're all whatever it is we're all doing and you just you just suck it up and get on with it because it's a free slot on your calendar i think since yeah. i'm on this rant i'm going to say that the thing i hate most about uh, about the change in in, in working habits is, is this idea of the 15 minute meeting i hate the 15 minute meeting because what it does is it encourages other people to put in other 15 minute meetings so you yes. actually end up having to content switch much much quicker so what i do is i yes. put in a half hour meeting and i say we need 15 minutes to cover this but i'm going to give you 15 minutes back at the end of it but i'm going to block your time block it so that you yes. can take it as a break we'll do what you want with it I promise I'll only take 15 minutes of your actual time. And, people say, oh, and let's be realistic. <laughs> the 15 minutes is never 15 minutes. It's often 30 minutes, isn't it? Yeah. It's just that we uh, think that it's going to be quicker. So it's um, so I like that strategy, uh, Charlie. That's really good. Yeah. You've just finished a 15 minute mm. discussion where you've had to get mm. straight into it. And then you go straight into another one, but your brain takes five minutes to catch up. So you've only heard 10 mm. minutes out of the 15 minutes. So you're overrunning. Mm. Oh, mm. what a mess. People think that yeah. 15 minute meetings are the, the way forward. Not, not when you're working with me. You get the worst out of me when you put a 15 <laughs> minute meeting. 
There you go. I hope everybody's heard that. Now, <laughs> <laughs> now I, and, and you know, what I wanted to say as well is like, I think, you know, we have too many meetings. Mm -hmm. There are way too many meetings. Um, but again, that's another structural change that is going to change slowly over time. We will, but, you know, it's, it's something that, you know, we're revolutionising the way that we work. And actually, it's something I wanted to say. I've started a, um, a movement called the Work Reset Revolution. So I have my own podcast on it too, um, which I should have you on too. But, um, and it's, um, it's, it's really about um, how we revolutionise and change the way we work. So um, interview people that are already doing that. Um, but I really, you know, wanting to start a movement and a collaboration on it so that we, you know, globally start implementing these different best practices. And I think that's the only way by collaboration and by, you know, sharing our, our scientific evidence that we've found and, you know, other things. I think it, it's the only way to change this. Yeah. Yeah. I, so, I completely yeah. Agree. And to everybody listening, I just want to say, if you're struggling to connect in with yourself, right? So very simple technique is literally just rubbing your hands together and just feeling your palms, right? Are, you, are your palms warm, dry, <laughs> sweaty? <laughs> Take a deep breath. And just, and that, that's all you need. You can even do that when you're going from your next one Zoom to the next, but it's just that moment of, getting back into your body instead of we're in our heads all the time and it's just back into our body am I sitting right is everything okay what do I need do I just need to stand up for a minute so it's just that simple it's that simple we don't need to make it complicated it's really really simple but we need to unlearn some unhealthy habits first <laughs> In fact, yeah. you've got lots of great techniques on your your YouTube channel as well. So we'll make sure we include mm. a link to to that as well because you've got some great breathing techniques on there as well that um, can be really helpful for people. Um, yeah. Which brings me to the last question, really, which is, what's next for you and for Softer Success? Yes. Well, we're um, we're globally we've launched our um, it's called our Wellbeing Assessment, so our psycho psychometric test, um, and that's out there now. So um, we're bringing that into as many businesses as possible. We are um, doing very interesting research with the University of Sheffield about this, um, you know, moral distress, moral injury. We're working with King's College on researching what causes burnout for founders, CEOs mm. and entrepreneurs, um, an area that I'm particularly passionate about. So really wanting to help people in their portfolio careers, actually juggling quite a bit, talking about, you know, lots of these side hustles. Yes, great idea. And people want to work towards their passion and mission. But let's do that in a way that we're, you know, in the right way and <laughs> sustainable way. So we'll launch, we'll be, you know, um, that will come out quite soon. And we'll have all kinds of um, training and coaching to, to help people with that. Um, and um, yeah, and then we're going to do this work with the in, in, um, Imperial College on the environment. So uh, that will be the, uh, the the one coming out slightly later this year. So check out our website, have a look, and um, and sign up to the YouTube channel, everybody, if that if you're after some tips to help you prevent burnout. Brilliant, Cara, you've been a fantastic guest. It's been a really great 
great discussion um we went really deep on burnout which i think is so important There's so many people out there they're suffering i think the important thing is if you are listening and you feel like you might be burning out you're not alone there are lots of great resources start with cara's youtube channel and take some of these these techniques so some of them are in kind of like 90 seconds two minutes but they are super super valuable i'll also include a link to your uh, book down below as well make yeah. sure people can uh, check that out and your podcast so really great to, to have you today thank you so much for your time and uh, best of luck Thank you, Charlie. It's been a pleasure.